Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 199. This week, editor of Gardener's World, Lucy Hall, returns to the podcast to share her tips on making the most of your kitchen garden during lockdown. She talks to editor Laura about how you can grow in any size space, even if you only have window boxes or pots. They also discuss some great hacks, including how to keep those pesky supermarket grown herbs alive and sustainable pest control without using damaging chemicals. A massive, massive hello to Lucy Hall from Gardener's World. Um, We had a brilliant article with you in the last issue, giving all your gardening tips, and we thought it'd be great for you to get on the podcast and uh, tell us how to start up our kitchen garden. So hello. Hello there. (laughs) What a great thing to be talking about. Um, The the veg plot is my absolute favourite bit of gardening. It's what got me into gardening and keeps me there, and I just love it. And I love even more the fact that suddenly... Everyone's discovered seeds and growing oh. and gardening and, you know, whether it's like through your stomach or just through the need to have your head in the fresh air. It's the place to be. It and really, it. really is. And I am definitely um, one of those fans of seeds. I've got really, really into it. So um, I'm going to ask you loads and loads of questions. And we've had lots of other questions from readers, too. So I'm going to get cracking if that's OK. But I'm going to start right at the beginning, really basic. So you'll forgive me for being sort of um, right at the start. But what stuff do you need to get started if you want to make a kitchen garden? And, you know, like I'm talking from pots to compost or, you know, can it just be something in your kitchen windowsill or what do you need? Absolutely. Do you know, the very first place I ever sewed anything was uh, on a window box uh, on a really busy road. Uh, We lived right on Fulham Road, which if you live in London, you know, is a really, really busy road right up into town. 
And I sewed because I was desperate to have something. Um, having grown up in gardens, I was desperate to have some food. And uh, so I <laughs> sewed in a window box, uh, probably full of lead from the buses. But, you know, just the smallest space, you can do it. You don't even have to have a garden. I think that's something that's mm. really important. You can have plants around you inside. And that's not just all those lovely, big, kind of fancy Instagram plants, which, of course, we all mm. love as well. Monsteras and lovely, big, glossy-leaved house plants, of course, have those. Um, but you can sow food and keep it on your windowsill, uh, you know, in a bright spot and actually have some success. Clearly, the more space you have, the more success you'll have because you can just try more varieties. But there's nothing stopping you now. Just, you know, what? even the simplest thing, the absolute get started way to go is if you're going to a supermarket, pick up a pot of growing living herbs and, you know, pick up a pot of something like mint uh, and actually you get at home and you'll find there's like 20 little plants in that. And actually all you need to do is just get your thumbs in there and tease Ooh. the pot apart. And you'll find, and you do it at the pot level, not at the top. So right. do it right. So tear, tear, ease apart the compost. And you'll soon find, and you can do this with basil as well. Basil works really well. Same trick. Ooh. Tease it apart and you've got lots of little rooted plants. And of course the supermarkets make a fortune because you go along, you buy one of those for a couple of quid, three quid, whatever. Uh, take it home and in a week or two you've used it all up you throw it away compost it hopefully uh, you go back and buy another one hey listen but in that you've got 20 plants or so 15 20 plants tease it apart and you've made yourself 15 to 20 plants and they will grow much better when they're in their own space the, the, those supermarket pots are on a self-destruction route because they're they they'll just you know they're crammed together they don't like growing in such close proximity they need loads of water to survive in their tiny little space if you see what a proper basil looks like grown in as a single seed in a pot on its own it's got a massive root system so that's a way to liberate your supermarket herbs <laughs> and you know and, and just pot them up into you know 10 15 20 different pots and you've got that's you. You're basled for the summer. You've got enough mint sorted. to uh, share friends. Exactly, you're sorted. So that's that's a complete. If you're not sure about growing, start there because it's the plants already growing. That's brilliant. But if you you know, and but if you've got a real flavour of wanting to grow something a little bit different, um, or even to be honest, if you just fancy giving seeds a go, then actually basil is a is a is a good start point. Um, but the, probably the easiest start point is someone like radishes or cut and come again salads. Yeah. So they're salad leaves rather than hearting lettuce. Right. Um, so a hearting lettuce is someone like a cos. Delicious, delicious in salads. Good body, good heart. But the easiest and quickest salad you can get, and you can be cropping in four or five weeks, is something like um, spinach. And let's face it, we buy okay. lots of spinach, don't yeah. we, from supermarkets yeah. and bags. Sow some spinach on a on a, 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 a surface of some pots, uh, and you can do that on your window ledge. Um, or equally, you can sow something called mixed leaves, mixed salads. It might be mescaline or Mr. Kanza, or you know, it depends on what seeds you can get your hands on. Mm. Um, but mixed leaves are the things to look for because there you're cutting and coming again, and that's that means you're picking individual leaves, and it means that you grow lots of leaves all through the summer. Pick them when you're ready, but they grow really quickly. That's the key. Mm. And then I, and I mentioned radishes. I mean, not everybody loves radishes, but do you know what? Even kids who grow their own radishes uh, will start to eat them. You know, if you present them from, you know, from a salad uh, from a supermarket, 
they think, mm, what's that? You know, but actually, if they've grown it and sown it and, and looked after it, they'll eat it. I feel like they're Promise. a really good value crop as well because you have this kind of like hidden thing and it's super exciting when you pull it out the ground and you have this really intensely peppery radish, which I feel like they're a lot stronger when you grow them from home as well rather than when you buy them in the supermarket. And then you have the leaves on top that you can eat too, which I found astonishing that you've got kind of this buy one get one free um ready meal in your garden so i really love growing radishes i've got some in my garden now um much 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 underrated and actually yes. we should talk we should talk about flavor but um, yes. you know I don't, yeah talk well, about flavor well, same, at some point. same with salad leaves as well that was another revelation for me and i've got some seeds coming up now in a little pot but it's just again how like intensely peppery you can get some of these you've got like mustard I, i'm not an expert lucy so you might be able to help me out here but some mustard leaves and things like that or rocket as well is such a strong flavor and you just yeah. kind of it's astonishing that these little things that you've grown are so intensely flavorful it's really exciting there's a lot you can do to intensify flavours. Oh, okay. You know, so, um, so, which is why I kind of love the whole thing about um, uh, how to sort of boost your flavour. Homegrown mm. really is tastier because mm. most commercial crops are regulated in terms of watering and feeding. Uh, and a lot of them are also grown hydroponically these days, right. which means only in water and a feed solution. Mm. Whereas I'm a really big believer of growing in soil uh, and then it gets all the nutrients out of, and whether that's, so, that's soil or compost, but it's growing in an earthy medium. Uh, and also, you know, you can regulate how much you water things. Um, watering, I know we're going to come on and talk about watering because it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a thing, you know, but... Um, you know, you can slightly hold back water, which makes plants grow a little bit tougher. Ooh, uh, now, okay. sometimes that's a bad thing, but sometimes it's a good thing because sometimes it can really intensify the flavours. So if you keep your basil, for instance, just on the slightly drier side, okay. then it will intensify the flavour. Wow. And, okay. So know, if you're a lazy yeah. gardener or a forgetful gardener like I am, then it could be, be a benefit then. Definitely. And, you know, they reckon even with some chilies. Now, you, you, however you start, you know, if you want a really hot chili, you've got to grow a chili from a seed that is known and genetically bred to be hot. Right. Okay. But you can make it even a little bit hotter still by not overwatering it. And if, if you overwater a chili or actually overwater tomatoes, that water actually gets into the flesh and it dilutes the flavour. How interesting. So you can intensify the flavour of tomatoes and chilies by just holding back the watering a little bit once you get there in sort of, you know, August time, July, August. But equally, it's that sort of fine line between under, you know, underwatering and you can kind of make it wilt and then it kind of basically gets a hump with you, you know, you know. <laughs> you're like, I get yeah, it, you're not looking up. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's a, listen, do you know what? One of the most important things I think that you can do as a, as a veg grower, really as a gardener actually, is observation. Yeah. It's kind of really looking at your plants. I think that's why people are suddenly getting into um, gardening at this time because mm. it's it's kind of re really all embracing. Well, we have the time it, to go out and check them. You know, I get the time to go out and have a look first thing in the morning and see the foxes have been around in my in my oh, garden. No. I know we'll talk about that later too. But you, then you can kind of check. It, you know, if it's been a really sunny day, you can see that they're wilting a bit, and you're like, oh my goodness. And that was one thing I was going to ask you about watering. We're talking about this. Is there like an optimum time you should be watering? Because I have some vague memory that you shouldn't do it in the middle of the day or something like that because it almost burns off. Or am I making that up? Is that right? No, you're not. I mean, I guess the, the, the best time is 
if you've only got one time to do it and that's the middle of the day, do it. Right, okay. <laughs> but the, the, the optimum time, yeah, so like better to do it than not do it. Um, but the optimum time is, yeah, either in the morning or in the evening. Okay. And then that way the plants can really, you know, they're not suffering from any heat um, from the middle of the day. And things, you know, do evaporate really quickly. And, mm. you know, hot summer day, you put some, you know, sort of water on the, um, well, always, if you can, water around the base of the plant. Don't, don't water the leaves because particularly, again, in the middle of the day, that sort of leads to sun okay. scorch and can uh, can affect the um, the foliage, particularly actually tomatoes, which are really susceptible to sort of fungal diseases. Oh, so right. always try and water to the roots. Oh, and a really, really good t- a really good tip actually is to t- cut the bottom off a pot and sink that pot in alongside whatever the plant is. I do it alongside courgettes. Um, I do it alongside um, tomatoes as well. Uh, and then it gets the water really right down to the Ooh, roots. And the roots actually will end up growing around that pot. So as I say, just cut the bottom of the pot, sink it in at the same time as you're planting or, you know, within a week or so of planting it. And then that directs the water to the roots, which is where it's really, really needed. But yeah, morning and evening uh, are are perfect timings. Um, The one thing I'm always cautious about about washing in the evening uh, is it can encourage slugs. And, you know, Uh. on young plants... You know, you start growing those delicious looking leaves and before you've got to them, you know, sometimes in damp soil, you'll find slugs. And about now is the time, May into June, is a real outbreak of slugs, particularly if it's just rained and it's... They're already at my cool jets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So there's things to do. Good news. There's things to do around it. But um, so there, you know, if you can get out and water in the morning, okay. it, you know, it's, it's, it's less sort of uh, slug food. But um, again, listen, if the only time you can water is the evening, don't beat yourself up about it. It's just yeah. do it. Do okay. it. Just just make sure you're doing it. I mean, that's the thing is looking out for what your plants are telling you they're needing. Now, listen, I know that's a really hard thing to think. Well, hang on a minute. If mm-hmm. I've never grown anything, how do I know? But, you know, you just keep looking. And it's a little, I think it's a little bit of instinct in everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a cold genetic thing. We did this millennia ago. We can, <laughs> we can do it again. We can do it again. I, you know, just, Embrace your inner how, gardener. Yeah, exactly. It's in there. How does it how does it look to you? Does it just start to look? And if you look every day and mm. then you see maybe that morning you did you did the watering, how does it look in the afternoon? Actually, it might look a little bit sort of fresher and bouncier and gl- glossier, darker, greener. And you're kind of thinking, okay, that's that's what it looks like when it's when it's looking good, when it's looking healthy. Uh, and then once you know that, you can start to apply that to things. So it's yeah. I think it's, I think that's part of the joy of gardening is that you never know everything, but you start to learn a little bit about lots of things. Yeah. And and one of them is knowing what a good pl- healthy plant looks like, uh, and just trying to always aim for that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and then that way you fi- you see off a lot of problems. So like you might see a fungal problem emerging when you might just be rootling around looking to see is it a bit dry should I water and then you might see you know later in the summer you particularly like on tomatoes which which can be a bit susceptible to all sorts of things you might see a dark leaf or a little bit of crusty brownie and then okay hello what's happening here you know so you're so you're kind of observing your plants and they are telling they are telling you things you've just got to kind of keep an eye on them yeah that's that's why a little and often with gardening is kind of the best approach okay now in terms of talking garden so we spoke about you can start on the windowsill or if you have a garden you know differing spaces and different sizes so do things like north are the plants that fare better in north facing gardens or south facing gardens and things that fare better in pots or raised beds or actually you know like if you're lucky to have a vegetable plot or an allotment um are there plants that fare better in those sorts of conditions 
Uh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, we're we're, we're starting at um, where do you start? So yeah. we've 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 kind of nailed the windowsill thing. You can sow there. Yeah. You can grow things you, like cress. You can sow from day one. Get crops on day two, day three. Um, okay. So let's assume you can move outside, and um, maybe you've just got room for a pot at the back door. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely fine. You know, you can grow a tomato in a pot. You can grow a chili in a pot. You can grow peppers. Um, things like chilies and peppers actually like to have their roots fairly well constrained. So okay. uh, actually. Chilies and peppers are a brilliant thing to grow in a pot. By a back door is great because you've got all the heat coming off the house, uh, and so it's a nice warm thing to to do. I mean, at the moment, uh, I'd kind of be slightly uh, you know cautious about the overnight temperatures. So I'm definitely not putting any of my tender plants out right now. But you know, if you're in a city, really by the end of May, you're you're good to go. I mean, even by sort of you know, if you're in, in somewhere as warm as London by mid-May, you're probably you know. So next week, you could be putting, starting to put out some things like courgettes and tomatoes. Um, but just be cautious uh, about them. But if they're in a pot, they're easier to protect because mm. you know you can wrap them with a bit of bubble wrap or a bit of horticultural oh. fleece overnight if oh. it looks like the temperatures are going to fall. So um, that's an advantage of growing things in pots, as you can bring them into a little bit of shelter uh, and a little bit of kind of warmth by your house. Could you use, um, I only say it because I've got loads here from like packages where I've been getting food boxes like um, food deliveries. You know, the wool uh, you get, the, um, I can't think what it's called now. It basically keeps things warm or keeps things cool or warm. It's the recyclable wool. Can you use that mm-hmm. to wrap around the pot? as well yeah do you know um I, actually i've got i'm lucky enough to have a greenhouse and um this week we're having we're having zero degrees temperature overnight oh, and right. it's it's gonna buy hopefully by the weekend um uh it'll be it'll be sort of back up to sort of five degrees or so but um yeah i'm using lots of packaging here yeah, a bit like everybody getting mm. so many so many kind of mail order things delivered yeah. at the moment and it's coming with packaging so i have to say my house looks a little bit like a kind of old cardboard kind of <laughs> warehouse store but i'm just keeping it at the moment to cover things over so cardboard is good right okay yeah wool is good and so you just um, put that over the top or you put it around the pots or put it around the pot because right. actually sometimes the, the 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 most vulnerable bit is is the leaf but the but the root are also vulnerable in a in a container like a terracotta pot that transmits the cold and the heat mm. um so you want to kind of warm that as well so yeah so it's it's thinking about where can you bring containers at this point because one of the most vulnerable times for planting out is is may Um, so you know is is kind of right now sort of through to early june when we don't know what the overnight temperatures are going to be Mm. like so we might think oh it's lovely and warm in the daytime i must get all my plants out but actually the most important thing at at the kind of shoulder seasons effectively which is like may and and then september is what's happening at night so a lot of plants don't really grow um, much if it's below five and ideally 10 degrees overnight and then things will start to really sort of um, settle in and get comfortable so uh, and we can't really guarantee that at the moment with all the temperature fluctuations so so again, thinking about what you plant and where is key um, to f- figuring out what your local weather is going to be doing. Um, but, you know, let's assume um, in a week or so the weather's going to be sort of warming up and, uh, you know, you've you've got some space for containers. You know, you've maybe thought, OK, I'm going to put some salads in those. I'm going to put my sort of chilies and tomatoes in those. Then moving beyond, if you've got a bit more space, then root vegetables they will 
still grow in containers. If you've got a deep enough container, there's nothing stopping you, you know, maybe sowing some really short carrots um, and beetroot. They'll grow in a container, you know, maybe a foot deep or so. Okay. That's, a, that's a nice kind of um, t- uh, sort of depth to be, to be aiming for. I mean, clearly you're not going to grow those kind of whopping great long carrots or parsnips. And they mm. really do want more depth, uh, more space, more water. I mean, they're a classic, you know, parsnips, big carrots, um, big rooty things, um, like Jerusalem artichokes, delicious. Ooh, yes, but, you know, you're re- they're, they're big whoppers, you know. So right, if you've okay. got an allotment, great, brilliant. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're growing in a smaller space... Kind of, yeah, yeah. Use the greengrocer for those, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, but you know, potatoes are something people everybody loves. Mm. But I'm, I'm kind of, I sort of think if you've not got much space, I wouldn't bother with main crop potatoes because yeah. to be honest, they're so cheap. Mm. But I love, love growing the newest little baby potatoes. I just, you know, so and you um, do Jer- those in bags, right? It's, my mum used yeah. to do that in her garden. Exactly. You know, you don't even need to buy a special bag. People kind of go, oh, do I need to have one of those bags that's got like a fold up side? Mm. No, do you know what? A a compost bag. Turn Mm. it inside out. Um, right. So it's the black side sort of facing out, and then kind of that draws the heat into the into the roots. Um, just use an upturned bag. Um, you can still plant them now. Uh, prime time for planting something like Jersey Royals uh, is is kind of last month is April really, but oh. you can still be planting. There's all sorts of funny names of potatoes like first earlies and second earlies, and so look for some second earlies, and they grow right. quite quickly. And if you can find them now, uh, then uh, but you know actually you know what garden centres are reopening, so if you can um, dodge the crowds and, and go at a safe time, then see what you can find. But um, a lot of them will still be selling um, stock because yeah. of course they were shut at the prime time at Easter. So you might well find and mail order you'll find still probably some seed potatoes, maybe some onions. Uh, and you could be sewing these into bags. And uh, again, the thing about bags or containers to remember about is you've got to walk, the watering is in your hands. Mm. So like if it's in the ground, it's going to be naturally drawing up through its roots, um, more rainwater, um, just just water that's in the ground. But anything in a container, um, you've got to remember your God. And that means you got, it's, <laughs> the it's power is within you. The power, yeah. So, um, and even if you think it's rained, ah, it's rained, it's fine, it's rained. Um, when it rains on a pot, it often sheds the water off. Yeah. The, the, the foliage is like a canopy and it kind of casts it off like an umbrella. Um, and what you, like we were saying earlier, you need to get your water down to the roots. Yeah. So success with growing any veg or salads uh, in a container, completely dependent on getting good watering to the roots uh, at er, you know like every other day every third day every I mean it sort of depends on where we are in, in the year um, but you know every sort of reckon on every three days or so just okay. going along having a poke having a feel how's it how does it you know what's it like is and, it, and what it should it feel like should should the soil feel damp or should it feel how should it feel because yeah. that's what I so, worry about like it should it be soaking all the time or so okay, so this is where it gets complicated. So yeah. something like, yeah, of course, there's no straight answer here. Mm-hmm. But um, something like tomatoes, chilies, uh, you know, sort of Mediterranean or Mexican, you know, warm climate plants don't like to be sitting in damp. So right. don't like 
uh, don't like to be constantly in water. They like to have a really good flow of water going through them and then it draining away, right. which is why we always bang on about making sure your container's got holes in it to let drainage out. And, and if you are using a compost bag, an upturned you know, or kind of recycled big plastic bag, make sure it's got holes in it so the water comes out because holding mm. water in a bag or like a grow bag is not good. Right, you okay. definitely want that water to be sort of seeping away. Uh, and, you know, that's that's when you know it's gone all the way through. You can see it coming out uh, and you know, therefore, that the that roots have had that water all the way through. Whereas there are other things, you know, and you asked earlier, what can I, what can you grow in if you're north facing? There are things that will tolerate or even thrive in semi shady conditions. I mean, to be fair, nothing thrives in really shady conditions, mm. really. Um, every plant as a rule of thumb, likes to be in sunshine. Yeah. But there are some things that are happy in semi-shade. So, but ideally, those plants will be getting two to three hours of light sunshine a day. So it's more the leafy things. So if if your garden is more shady... Mine is, definitely. Is it? Okay, well, listen, you can... Then you can grow... Okay, there are some fruit you can grow. Okay. But but think about things like chard and... I've got chard in the garden, so excited. Chard is great. (laughs) Chard, chard's seriously underrated. It's a brilliant, brilliant... You know, I love it. I love it for its ribs. I love it for its leaves. Mm. We use it a lot in sort of curries and things and and risottos and stuff. Mm. Love it. And it's got a really good texture um, and it's brilliant with lemon. Anyway, I don't need to tell you all these (laughs) things. Um, But I love it, love it, love it. So definitely would have it um, in any garden. And thrives in sunshine um perfectly loves being in shade so it's it's a really good go-to and then you know what someone like coriander people always think oh coriander is so exotic it must (laughs) love to be in brilliant sunshine all the time no do you know what it's the quickest way of going to seed uh so what that means is a plant that's feeling a little bit stressed um maybe it's not had enough water like coriander Anything leafy like coriander does love to have water. It's that kind of classic. I like my head in the sunshine and I like my feet in damp ground. So <laughs> it's a real diva. But, um, oh, it, you know, if you love it, it's worth it. Uh, but it's, again, good in semi-shade because it stops it bolting. Um, in other words, going to seed, right. which is great. If Actually, if you want to grow your own coriander seed, um, just grow, just just put some plants into brilliant sunshine, keep them slightly underwatered. You'll enjoy the leaves, but then it will go to seed. And of course, you can harvest the seed then and use it in cooking. So um, uh. so if you want it for seed, grow it, in, grow it in real bright sunshine. But if you want it more for the leaves, put it in a shadier spot. Uh, so, so your general rule of thumb, really, in growing in semi-shade, anything that's leafy uh, that you're cropping is going to do better than anything that's hearting up. So that's a sort of that's a bit of a rule of thumb. Um, Things things like raspberries, uh, they tolerate a bit of shade. Um, Things like um, black currants will as well. Again, they'll they'll all do slightly better in in straight sunshine. But if you've only if you've only got what you've got and you've got a bit of shade, semi shade, try those for fruit. Stick around for more brilliant garden advice from Lucy. I've got some red currants in my garden in the back. This is all my previous owner of the house. It's not me, but I'm you know, reaping the rewards. But um, I've got some red currants and some raspberries as well. And they're definitely in a shaded spot. So that's good to know that they're okay there. Um, I wanted, this is a bit of a rogue question, but I feel like it's related. I've been seeing lots of things. We're all kind of doing more low waste and zero waste things during lockdown because we're trying to not go out the house and make the most of what we've got. If people are struggling to get seeds online or they're not able to leave the house to go to garden, 
garden centres when they do reopen. Can you, I mean, can you use things like in your kitchen if you've got coriander seeds in a jar? Can you plant those? Would they work or fennel seeds or anything like that? Or I've even seen um, like in my uh, larder, I've got onions that have started sprouting because they've been in there for so long. Can I plant those? Or I've even seen on on Instagram and things like that, people chopping um, like celery hearts and then new celery shoots growing when they've been put in water so are there any things that we can kind of make do if we can't go and get actual plants from the garden center yeah there's quite there's quite a few hacks that you can do um so i think no so potatoes are the classic one mm. you 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 ought, you ought to buy for the health of the plant um Ideally, you buy certified seed potatoes, and uh, but you know these are not perfect times. So <laughs> hey, don't let you know. Again, so we, let's like look at the hacks that we can do. So yeah, a supermarket potato that sprouted, so it's got that little sprout coming out of it. You might have left it in a, you know, in a basket for slightly too long and kind of forgotten about it. Well, do you know what? Yeah, perfect. Go and plant it. So um, what I would do is put it on a window ledge and actually encourage that sprout right, okay. to emerge a little bit more, and then yeah, plant it out in a, you know, in in a compost bag like we were saying earlier is you know if you put three seed potatoes into a bag like that and cover it over with compost and then keep it keep it you know as it grows you cover it with more more compost uh then yeah it's fine you know absolutely fine it's you know uh they're all subject probably you know if you keep on growing like that you might get some more fungal diseases than you you might anticipate but you know for now give it a try same with onions anything that's sprouting you can't think oh i'm not sure if i'm going to grow that uh or i'm going to eat that rather yeah grow it give it give it a try you know peel it away bring the little green shoot out keep as much root as you can as possible uh and then and, and pot it on uh, and uh, or, or you know put it straight out into your if you've got some ground some veg a veg plot put it straight out there give it a go um, it's got to be worthwhile um, you know if if we lived in warmer climates you could grow pineapples in, in the same way but you know basically you know uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of fun it's a bit like avocados yes. you know everyone's desperate to know how do I grow an avocado in fact you know we we've had so many people asking us on our website we have got on garnerswell.com we have got a how to grow avocados but um, I hate to break it to most folks but you're really not likely to get <laughs> not likely to get a fruit in this country no, no i know it's and it's you know it's like one of the first things as a kid you tend to sort of be like put the stone yeah. in some water and let it sprout it's a pretty I plant mean, though isn't it it's a nice thing to especially if you have got kids it's a nice little project to do it's a brilliant house plant. I mean, they're lovely, glossy leaves. They look mm. brilliant. Um, I mean, you know, actually, and similarly, as well as mentioned with pineapple, it's a bit of fun. Again, you know, you can sort of, again, we've got something on our website about it, but you, you basically use the pineapple top and you sort of pair it away and then it'll root. And it does wow. make the most, you know, stunning pineapple, pineapple plant. But, you know, you, we've, we've probably got to move a few miles <laughs> south, sadly. <laughs> or wait go, for climate change, one of the two. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, but um, so there are things you can do. You know, dried herb seeds, um have probably gone through most of them will have gone through a process which will prevent them sprouting right okay. uh, so that's a tricky one but do you know what there's lo- there are lots of seed companies that actually are, are operating fine online at the moment so if you don't feel like getting out to the garden center and you know for understandable reasons or, or you know you're self-isolating um go online there's plenty of places that are selling you might have to wait a little bit longer than yeah. normal but um you know look we're only we're only may there's still plenty of time to sow things i think there's always this myth well that's what i was um, saying is it too late have we have we we missed it yeah no far from it it's actually a really brilliant time and um you know there's a myth about easter is the gardening weekend and after that 
shut down you know no way you can you can sew all the way through lots of things you can sew and and you know so may early june's prime time for getting things in and the ground is warm you know that's the great thing we often people make a mistake about rushing out you know as soon as there's a bit of lovely warm sunshine mm-hmm. around around about easter they go and sew stuff outdoors and um and i think that's one of the keys to success is timing uh and actually because it's been a lovely warm kind of spring we've been lulled into thinking oh it's basically summertime now um but the last you know all across the country we've had a, a week or more of kind of quite cold overnights and that mm. means the soil is cold and so it's not really the air temperature that matters when you're growing sowing into the ground it's the soil temperature um and uh, you know, there's this terrible old kind of um farmer's trick of um you know when it's warm enough if you drop your trousers and sit on the ground with your bare bum. <laughs> I'll give that a go. I'll give my name yeah, to Brian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello, everybody. This is gardening. <laughs> but uh, no, listen, if it's, if, you know, put your hand in the soil and see, well, how does it feel? Um, uh, one thing you can do to sort of speed things along is you can just put some, you know, put some of that uh, cardboard or fleece that you might have, like horticultural fleece. Or, But if you've got cardboard, you can leave it over the soil for, you know, a few days and that will, in, in sunny conditions, that'll warm up the soil. Oh, okay. It also brings to the surface quite a lot of slugs. Okay. And so you've got to have a little bit of kind of strength about you and go out, <laughs> go out with, bleh, I know, I know, I know. But listen, go out at dusk. Uh, and uh, do you know what? As kids, actually, my grandfather um, gave us like a penny for every slug we collected. <laughs> uh, 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 so he sent us out with a torch at like, at, like no, eight o'clock at night, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you pick them all up and then and then we get pocket money. Um, and it's, so there you go. It's a brilliant way of keeping kids engaged. <laughs> Listen, I'll try that with my fiance. See if he, I can get him to do it. Yeah, gotta be worth a try. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love that kind of whole grunginess and yeah. like. You know, so so uh, if you recognise that, then you can get your kids out looking for your slugs. But um, no, it's a uh, it's a great way of warming up the soil, and then you can sow sow things directly into it. Right. Um, I mean, where I am, I'm 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 not in a city. I'm sort of lucky enough to be a bit rural where I, where my garden is, um, and that means the the ground is colder, and right. you'll kind of know if you're you know. Midlands North, at the you know at the moment it's it, you know it's a couple of weeks behind mm. um, Southern England. So wherever you are, don't go too soon. It's often the mistake we make, thinking I've got to get everything out, uh, and surely you know now's the time to do it. But actually, your bigger mistake is going early. You can often often catch up. Yeah. And um, I mean, actually, it's something that Monty always says on Gardener's World. Um, so if if you ever sort of get a chance to catch that, he he's he's sort of Midlands um, West, and uh, so it's got quite cold garden. So it's quite a good barometer for sort of UK gardening. Um, but yeah, don't go too early. But I mean, there are plenty of things you can be sowing now. Um, but uh, well, loads of things you can be sowing now. But I would be sowing quite a lot of them into pots at the moment rather yeah. than into the ground. Um, so some of the kind of more tender things you know and so that's that's kind of one of the keys so um but you know things like things like beans uh cucumbers squashes courgettes all those delicious things Mm. that kind of say summer on a plate uh you know they're they're all things that you can be sowing now perfectly well great sow it into pots rather than into the ground and you're going to get much faster results and if you don't have a greenhouse can you would you bring those kind of indoors what I mean I don't know if this is right but what I've been doing is putting my seeds outside during the day so they get sun and they get a bit of warmth and then bringing them in at night and looking after them <laughs> is that right sounds- <laughs> <laughs> like my little children I have to bring them in after they've been playing all day long 
<laughs> that sounds absolutely perfect. Our, our our kitchen, yeah, we have got a greenhouse, but I'm also bringing things into the mm. kitchen as well. Luckily, my other half gardens, so That's he's good. quite tolerant. <laughs> uh, he he kind of understands why we've got a whole kind of floor in front of. We've got some <laughs> luck, lucky enough to have a big door that looks out over the garden, so floor to ceiling, so it gets lots of light. And I nice. put my I put my seedlings there. Great. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I put them out in the daytime. It's a really good way uh, once you've got a seedling of um, you know a couple of inches high. Uh, you know, put them outside. They're starting to get used to living outside. Mm. Um, it's called hardening off. Yeah. Uh, so this process of taking them outside and getting them acclimatized. You need to do that really for a couple of weeks because, and I know it might sound like a lot of work, but actually it's worth it because yeah. then you know the shock of then putting them in the ground. So like a courgette, which is used to much warmer conditions than, than we can give it right now uh, and loves kind of warmth and loves basking in kind of um, warm, damp soil. You stick it straight outside, having been on, say, a window ledge. Uh, and it's like, ooh, hello, yeah. I, don't, I don't like this. I'm going to kind of go into shutdown. So you want your plants to be constantly growing. So, you know, yeah. So the fact you haven't got a greenhouse is no barrier at all. It's just, you know, there's a point in the year when you garden that everybody else in the house just has to be tolerant of the fact that you're going to be taking over every window ledge that there is and uh, moving things in and out and it's just it's just part of the process so um it's part of the fun of it really but uh but equally if you if you sort of don't want to go through all the kind of seed raising process again there's so many nurseries now online who actually would have been supplying garden centers um and there lots of them are shifting to online sales so you can actually bypass the whole seed sowing process and the whole you know, if you're worried about it and thinking I haven't got enough space, just buy some plants in. And that's, again, it's a bit like the supermarket herbs I mentioned at the beginning. It's a great way to start and yeah. get the feel for growing. Um, but no, I mean, windowsills and any space that you've got are a great place to sort of raise those kind of plants. And then once they've kind of got started, you can get them out outside, whether into pots or the ground. And then that way also you're kind of bypassing this whole slug problem. Because what yeah. slugs love are those, as you will, as you all know, you know they love those little tender kind of growths, and it's getting them, getting the plant in the ground past that initial stage, is is kind of the probably the sometimes the toughest thing. Talking about critters, because yeah, I am having a bit of a slug problem. I don't know if you can tell. Um, it, what are the kind of like friendliest, or you know, what are the ways that we can move them along? Or you know, I've tried. Um, coffee ground I mean I don't know whether that's going to work coffee grounds and eggshells I've seen things like that or you know going and collecting them and uh, not chucking them in next door's garden but you know putting them somewhere that maybe I am um putting them somewhere that's not near my seeds but uh, what are the tips that you've got for kind of moving critters along or big critters as well like foxes I live in um London so yeah I've I've got this raised bed that I made this year for some veggies because I was going to be a bit more adventurous and the foxes have already been kind of rummaging around in it which is very annoying yeah yeah, the, the the big the big creatures are the tricky ones. They mm. really are because I mean they'll they'll roam everywhere. Mm. I mean uh, we've got a problem with it, uh, cats. <laughs> yeah. So uh, local cats do that. Um, the so actually t- starting at the biggest level, um, it's more a case of ha- keeping them off what you've grown rather than keeping them out the garden. Yeah. And that's al- almost impossible. Yeah. Um, what I tend to do is use lots of um, sort of twiggy prunings. Ooh, so okay. if you've been if you've been cutting a hedge, and often we cut cut our hedges in springtime mm. and early in spring try or you maybe you're you have a, a hazel or something sort of woody growing in your plant that in your garden that you've cut back yeah then keep those longer prunings and lay them over uh, just to deter you know mm. cats or foxes um 
from kind of you know basically coming to do what they like to do to scratch around and and so on uh, and and just sort of lay twigs and and sort of branches over areas that you've sown or even areas that you're going to sow and then it stops them sort of churning them up so okay. it kind of just deters them they'll move on if it's too much hassle they'll move on yeah and it won't stop things like birds still sort of landing and poking around because of course the birds still love to have a kind of rummage in <laughs> rummage in fresh soil so and you know for that reason that's i'm i'm really anti using any sort of slug pellet mm. um there are supposedly uh you know there are those that are rated as organic but in the end you know we're just such a massive cycle mm. you know what 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 they eat that what they ingest is passed passed on so i kind of always looking for as organic a solution as we possibly can find and a really sustainable solution and you know it's it's more a case when you uh, look for those approaches of having lots of layers of approach so i think using coffee grounds around things can be great um it, it's the grittiness that puts slugs off right. uh, okay. and i think it ceases to be effective um sort of quite quickly um eggshells are another way but you know how many eggs do you eat you know you've got to eat a lot <laughs> not many in lockdown not many <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if you you know maybe if you keep chickens uh, and you keep the eggs, Eggs. the the answer there is actually to dry out the eggshells just put them in a in a once the oven's turned off just put them in a low oven or you know where it's still got heat and just dry it off and then you can crumble up the eggshells right. so that it forms a kind of really small kind of granular um you know so, so it flows kind of through your fingers really and then um so lots a little bit of egg and put that around again some plants again it's the, it's the sharpness that puts things off uh, puts slugs and snails off um a little bit of grit uh, around some vulnerable plants again can work but again grit's quite expensive and traps moisture so sometimes that can kind of bring a bit of root, uh, rot so you just got to be careful that you're not putting it too close to the plant itself um or you can actually buy uh wool it's um sort of little wool pellets and that's oh, okay. what i that's what i use because i found it's the most effective thing you buy a great big box of wool pellets and it's like a byproduct of an industry so right. it's quite a good sort of um you know reuse of something that was going to be waste anyway and it's got turned into wool pellets which swell and actually and again the sort of itchiness puts the slugs off mm. i find that really effective and i put those around vulnerable plants like like sort of um cucumbers courgettes squash plants uh and then i also go out at night i mean you've you've yeah. got to do it um yeah so t- uh, yes turn your ears off now if you don't like to be a but um, a <laughs> little, little bit of salty water and just drop them in it. Um, so yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's no, yeah. There's, there, yeah, there's no, there's no good way of saying this. It's yeah. just what you have to do. Um, yeah, the thing about about throwing, well, if you, uh, I used to um, very bad confession. I used to throw snails over the garden wall. I still, I still do it. Still do, still don't do. call my neighbour. But, but one of my neighbours doesn't use their garden at all, so it is like a wild meadow. So I just think let let the slugs and snails eat eat that, not my. Fair enough, but then yeah. of course somebody did a test and they they put some nail varnish on the back of snails and they did a did a thorough test to prove how far do snails travel at night. It's a really long oh, way. Really? Oh, Believe you me, they come back. Damn it! <laughs> I know it's unbelievable, unbelievable. So um, anyway, yeah. So but actually, do you know what snails? I just don't worry about. I okay. really don't. I mean, it's just, um, to be honest, they're such good bird food and yeah. hedgehog food. I mean, hedgehogs love slugs as well. So um, he- uh, snails and slugs are actually part of the food chain. So if you kill too many of them off, you know, what's the next layer up going to be eating? Yeah. So, you know, and we've had such a sort of loss of birds. It's it's kind of, so I'm, I'm, you know, you've got to tolerate a little bit of nibbling. 
there's no such thing as perfection in this yeah. world. You just, this is, the, consider this part of your <laughs> therapy. <This is> a, <laughs> just grow enough stuff to outpace them. Okay, and uh, it's, it's probably a sign that we're not growing enough things. Exactly. We've got to um, share some with the slugs and snails. I think that's Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not very tolerant of sharing things with, um, with kind of cats and foxes. I'm definitely with you <laughs> in wanting to move them on. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, there are, you know, mice will come a lot, particularly if you feed birds, they'll, they'll be mice and they yeah. will nibble at beans. Okay. Uh, so, again you just if if you suffer from you know if you if you know you're kind of you're wondering why your beans are not germinating then, and then realizing they're not there it's because they've been pinched by the mice so uh, you put a bit of kitchen uh, a bit of bit of um chicken wire rather over okay. over a pot of beans um and again if you've got them inside then they're safer so there there's kind of you know strategies you can use um but in the end you've just probably got to chill a little bit uh I like that. Because the, you know the garden is part of the whole cycle that's kind of what we're discovering about gardens now mm. it is part of a bigger cycle you know if you have lots of gardens they do all link up they do make this amazing wildlife corridor and particularly things like hedgehogs who are coming back in greater numbers now in cities than than, than outside cities i think it's because people are opening up fences and letting them you know and keeping their gardens a little bit wilder and and that's good and hedgehogs are definitely a gardener's friend in eating all sorts of things like as i say slugs and, and you know beetles that might you know that might kind of nibble holes into mm. things so yeah if you've got a slug if you've got a hedgehog nurture it okay for sure. make, make yeah. friends with a hedgehog on that note i think we should leave it there because that's been so <laughs> informative i can't wait to go out and get in my garden now um during my lunch hour and to have a little look at how everything's going but thank you so much lucy that was so fascinating and i learned so so much i think we can have to get you back on in like a month's time when my garden is growing a bit more so you can give me some more tips please um, oh i'd love to i'd love to and also you know because that in the end i mean i'm, I'm with all you guys the, the reason i'm doing this is is i love eating yes. so my, my the, the route to my garden definitely came through my stomach so um <laughs> i'm so yeah and i'm i'm so going to be tapping your brains for what am i going to do and i i inevitably will have a glut of it's going to be charred. We can and definitely moment, help you there. <laughs> at the moment, it's, I mean, I've got so wet. Well, the first thing I did in lockdown was so, um, so many salads. I oh, sewed we... all, I did exactly what you shouldn't do, which was sew <laughs> a whole long row uh, of, of salad leaves rather than doing a little and often. Yeah. So I've now, I'm totally glutted out with mizuna Ooh. and rocket, but you know, hey, there are worse things. Pestos. There are worse things. Delicious pestos. Um, doing that. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So if you want to read our guide um, to a kitchen garden, with the help of Gardener's World team. It's in our April issue, which you can still get on the digital app. Or remember, you can buy Gardener's World issue, which is out every single month. And it's absolutely fantastic, jam-packed full of tips. And you can visit gardenersworld.com. Thank you so much, Lucy. Okay, thanks very much. So that was this week's podcast and so much great advice this week from Lucy. Look out for the May issue of Gardener's World right now with a special edition that includes a six-pack of seeds plus their annual two-for-one garden entry card. And if you can't get to the shops, you can buy online at gardenersworld.com. If you want to explore more of our podcast back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main platforms and at our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and great cooking advice. And if you're finding it difficult to get your monthly mag, why not become a temporary subscriber? You'll get the next three copies of Olive Magazine delivered to your door for a single payment of £12.50, saving 15% off the usual shop price, with free delivery and no obligation to continue after three months. To take advantage, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash allpod3. That's O-L-P-O-D 3. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to. Listener.